Hey, it's good to be with my church family. Uh, if you are a guest, hey, we are glad you are here as well. Uh, welcome to the family. And uh, those of you watching online, hey, we're glad that you are tuned in and that you're with us as well. Uh, when I prayed this morning that I, I wanted our church to be on fire for the Lord, this wasn't exactly what I had in mind, but, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Uh, I am excited, and I have been praying that. Like, I want our church to, 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 to be on fire. Uh, we're getting into this series right now called The Promise. And over the next eight weeks, we are going to be studying the Holy Spirit. Topic is going to be the Holy Spirit. So um, I have been praying and asking that God is going to do something uh, through this series that's going to be really good for our church and therefore really good for our community and the world that we serve. Um, this was many years ago now, but uh, I was in my backyard, and I was having a fire, and this is nighttime, and there was this, this, this dead arborvita. It was probably a five to six foot tall uh, arborvita. It'd been, I'd, I'd cut it down, but it'd just been uh, lying in, in, in my backyard for a long time. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to get rid of it, but I, here I am having this, this fire. And it's in one of those little fire pits, you know, so not like a big fire. Uh, but the thought occurred to me, because I really wanted to get rid of this arborvitae, what would happen if I were just to dump this thing into the fire pit, okay? Now, part of me told me that probably wasn't a great idea, right? Because, again, it's a little fire pit, and this is a giant arborvitae, and I kind of knew what to, you know, expect. But when I put that dead arborvitae in that fire pit, it was so much more than I expected. That flame shot, I, the back of my house is about three stories. I kid you not, that flame, I, I'm pretty sure, licked the top of my three-story house, okay? Our, our neighborhood went from like dark, from like night to like day, like that. And this thing was like a, like a jet fuel engine, like, okay, shooting fire into the sky, and of course now at this point I'm panicking because this fire is so big, it's getting the attention of everyone around us. I'm like trying to make sure like our neighbor's out, our neighbor's gonna see this. Fortunately, no neighbors to my right or left happen to be out seeing the scene that they're, you know, that I'm making, but I turn around and it just so happened my kids had invited every neighbor kid from the neighborhood into our basement, and I look back and they're just like, whoa! looking at this flame. So I had to go in and be like, kids, shh, don't tell mom and dad. You know, this stays between us. But friends, it's one of the biggest, tallest <laughs> balls of fire that I have ever seen, all right, in my life. This dead arbor that just shot up. And this is a picture of what I am hoping for our church, that we are going to be on fire, all right, as we uh, in, dive into this conversation about the Holy Spirit and what God wants for us through the Spirit. I'm hoping for many of us it's going to bring some life. It's going to bring new passion. It's going to bring joy. It's going to bring hope for our lives. I love what uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy 1. He says this to, to Timothy he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, I believe that gift that he's referring to, many think it's the gifts of the Spirit. I don't think so because I think he would have said the gifts, plural, but he uses the singular. I think he's talking about the Holy 
spirit here. And he's saying he wants us to fan into flame the spirit. He says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So that's what I'm hoping for through this series. Less fear in our life. Can anybody use a little less fear? A little more courage, a little more boldness, a little more love, a little more power, and a little more self-discipline to fight back against sin and the realm of darkness that wants to battle us each and every day. That's what I'm hoping for in this series. So as I was sat down to, to think through this series, I thought, where, where do I start? Well, to me, it makes sense that you start where it all started for the church. Where did it start for the church? It started at the day of Pentecost that we read about in the book of Acts, okay? That is where the church was born, when the Spirit came down. So I want us to, to look at the days leading up to and the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, by the way, is this Jewish feast that they celebrated, and that is when God poured out the Spirit, birthing his church. Okay, so we're going to just start in Acts 1. Verse 1, I just want to jump into this. Uh, Luke is writing this, and he says, In my former book, Theophilus, so he's writing it for this man named Theophilus, he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions, now I want you to underline this, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. I think we should just stop right there. That's That's interesting saying Jesus was teaching his apostles operating by the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit, if Jesus, the Son of God in his humanity, needed to operate by the Holy Spirit, how much more do you and I need to operate by the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Be living in accordance with the Holy Spirit? Verse 3, it says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them. And gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. We've talked about this over the last couple of weeks in our Encountering Jesus series. Thomas showing him the scars in his hand and the piercing of his side. It says he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Some of us forget that. Jesus was in resurrected form for 40 days teaching. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. We need to pause right there. So what is Jesus teaching? After his resurrection, for this, over this period of 40 days, he's teaching them about the, the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus has already been teaching that the kingdom of God has come. Jesus came into the world, so the kingdom came with him. But he wants to instruct the disciples on what the kingdom of God is and what their role is in the kingdom of God that they are a part of. And so you might ask, what, what is the kingdom of God? And here's how I would define the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is really, it's, it's really just God's presence that brings blessing and favor with us. That's how I would describe it. It's not, I can't just say God's presence because, right, God is omnipresent. God is, he, he covers, he's, he's everywhere. He's able to be in all places at all times. But it's the place where he dwells and wants to manifest his goodness in our lives. That's right where Jesus went. He spread the kingdom. What was he doing? He was casting out unclean spirits. He was healing sick people. In some cases, even bringing those who had died back to life. He went through 
the region of Israel, ushering in the kingdom and bringing good everywhere he, he went. Friends, we, we ought to desire more of God's kingdom in our lives. What we're really trying to do is we're, we're trying to pull heaven down. It's really what the kingdom is. It's, it's God's presence. It's heaven with us on earth. And some of you right now, you need more of God's kingdom in your life. You need more of God's kingdom in your home. God's blessing and favor, peace, joy, hope in your home. Some of you need more of God's kingdom in your minds. You need God's kingdom in your minds with your thinking. And we, of course, need more of God's kingdom in our community. Now, here's something I want to teach us about God's kingdom, a way to think about God's kingdom. It's something that we call the already but not yet. What does that mean? What is the already but not yet? The already but not yet teaches that God's kingdom has already come. Jesus has initiated the kingdom. It is already here, but not yet. And by that, what we mean, it's not in its completed form. It's not in its consummated form, right? People still get sick. People still die. There's still pain and suffering. But as believers, as the church, our job is to spread and advance as much of God's kingdom as we can. To bring as much of heaven down to earth as we possibly can. Some people need to hear the already because they live too much in the not yet Oh, God's kingdom hasn't come. God doesn't want to do miracles today. God doesn't want to bless and favor my life. You need to hear the already. The kingdom has come through Jesus. You want it, trust me. You want as much of his kingdom in your life as you can get. Others of us, we make the mistake of living in too much of the already and expecting perfection. And I'd have to guard us against that. But I would say as God's people, as the church, our job is to desire as much of it as we can get. You want as much of God's kingdom in your life as you can get. And it is the church's job to advance this kingdom on earth. To help others come in and experience the kingdom that Jesus has initiated. That's why we are supposed to pray what? Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Okay, so how are we going to do that? How are you and I possibly going to bring heaven down and spread heaven on earth as much as we can get of it? Well, Luke goes on. He says, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Again, he's talking to his disciples here. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This word baptism that Jesus is using here, the, the literal word means to immerse. It means to submerge. Okay? It's this idea of being fully doused. And we practice water baptism here as a symbol of this. 
In fact, um, this last baptism we did, someone was giving me a hard time because they were like, why, why did that one baptism take so long? Somebody took a little longer than the other people. And it was because I was trying to baptize this person, but I was trying to put her head under the water, but she kept fighting me. And her head kept popping up out of the water. And I was like, no, you're going under. All of you. Like no part untouched. You're going to be fully immersed. This is the idea. We are to be fully immersed with God's spirit, with the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're not sprinkled. We are immersed. That's why it's so important what that symbolizes. And Jesus here, he's talking about John's baptism, which was a water baptism. But John's baptism was more of a baptism of repentance. It was like, okay, I realize I've done some wrong things. I want to get my life right and start following God again. And so I'm going to white knuckle it. And I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and do what is right. That's the baptism of repentance. Jesus is saying, I'm about to do something different. I'm about to douse you into the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to change you from the inside out. You're going to have new desires. You're going to have new affections. You're going to want and have the power and ability to start fighting against sin in your life and living for the glory of God. It's something that's going to be in you. He's promised us we're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something I want us to understand. If you are a believer today, if you have been born again, I love that, born again, you become a new creation. You put your faith in Christ and you became new. And you need to understand, you have already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We are baptized once with the Spirit when we are born again. That happens the moment you were born again. It's not, it's not this isn't, there's not a future baptism. This happens the moment you put your, but we can be filled with the Spirit multiple times in our life. So if you are a believer, if you've been baptized, okay, uh, then you have been baptized with the Spirit. But we need to pray continuously, God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me. I want more. Anybody else here want more? I want more. <laughs> Give me more of your spirit, Lord. I want more love. I want more power. I want less fear in my life. All right, so I'm praying every day. It's something we do as a staff. We pray every day, Lord, fill us, fill us, fill us with your spirit. It's that fanning the flame. Anybody else want that? All right, that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for, for you. So we read on. It says, then they gathered around Jesus and they asked him, hey, Lord, are you uh, at this time going to restore the kingdom of, to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. It's not going to reveal that. But verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I'm going to give you my spirit. It's going to empower you so you can start bringing heaven down to earth. That is our being my witnesses to those who need to encounter me. This is our calling, friends. This is the calling of the church, to be empowered by God to bring the kingdom of God to others so that they may enter in and experience the blessing and the favor of the Lord. Are you with me so far? Man, this is good stuff. Okay. So it says, after he said this, I had to put this in here. 
So that he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. I don't know. I was reading. This is, a, this is comical. Can you imagine the disciples? He's flying. Where is he going? Where is he going? I have to think this idea, like they're staring intently, is somewhat of an understatement. Can you imagine this? All of a sudden, he just takes off. Where is? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to picture that scene. That had to be pretty, pretty wild. It says they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white, these are angels, stood beside them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So it's talking about it's one day Jesus is going to return, and that's when he will consummate his kingdom. And everything will be made fully, completely right as God intends. All right, so now what I want to do is I want to fast forward. So this is the promise that Jesus has given us. The sin that his spirit is coming. All right, now I want to fast forward to what that looked like when that happened on the day of Pentecost. So we're going to now turn to chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All right, so all of uh, the disciples here, and I think there's others here as well. They're all together in one place. We don't know exactly where that's at, but it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So this violent wind, it sounds like a violent wind. Just like, I mean, I'm just picturing it like maybe it's almost even like, I don't know, like maybe like just what you would experience something like in a hurricane or something. But just this violent, this violent wind. And it fills the whole house where they were sitting. It says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And I was thinking about that this week. I was trying to picture what, what does that look like, this tongues of fire? Does it just look like a flame that kind of curves so it kind of looks like a tongue? Or is it kind of like the Rolling Stones logo, the flame coming up? I don't know. I was trying to figure I have no idea. But I don't want to get lost in this idea of tongues and what that, what that is. Uh, we might talk about that more when we get to spiritual gifts in this series. But here's what I want us to focus on. This is what's really important. It says that when the Spirit came down, it separated, and it came to rest on each of them. See, this is, this, is, this is new. This is unique. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon the leaders of Israel, the prophets, and other kinds of, of, of leaders. Now, the Spirit isn't just coming down on the leaders. The Spirit is coming down on each believer. So that each one of us can be empowered by God's spirit. Okay. And so it says all of them were filled, there's that word, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them. Maybe some of you grew up in a tradition where you were told if you've been baptized with the spirit, you should be speaking in tongues. Well, we have other instances in Acts where people are baptized with the Spirit and they don't start speaking in tongues. So I just want to just take that off you if any of you were taught. That doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be able to speak in tongues. It's a spiritual gift God gives to some. 
okay? But, but this is a unique situation where those who are there begin speaking in tongues. And it says, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. This is in Jerusalem. It says, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So these tongues that they're speaking are actual languages that people are understanding from different parts of the world. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then he gives a list of, of 13 different languages from these different regions. And he says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And then amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? <laughs> what does this mean? It's like this idea of what, what is God doing? Because something is happening. What, what does all of this, this mean? Right? Verse 13, some, however, <laughs> made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. It's always going to be the skeptics. Always going to be those who, who, who have to find some kind of rational explanation. There's got to be some kind of rational explanation for why this is happening. And people who just doubt and, and, and just cannot believe that God would do something like this. Right? There's always going to be the skeptics, but in Matthew 18, 3, I want you to hear what Jesus says. He, he, he said to his disciples, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Jesus wants us to be like little children. He doesn't want us to be overly skeptical. Always having to find a rational explanation for something. We can't just accept. What, 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 you know, the first thing you learn about children, children are humble. They're just humble. I wonder what would happen if we were more humble and just humble before God. God, you can do whatever you want. I can put you in a box. Children are dependent. They recognize everything they need is going to come from their parents. They are completely dependent on mom and dad. What would happen if you and I were just more dependent on God? In his presence, in his goodness in our life. We realize everything I ultimately need, God, comes from you. And we prayed like that. Children are also people of expectation. They just live with a sense of expectation, a sense of awe and wonder. Now, again, I wonder what would happen if we as a church, as God's people, lived with a sense of great expectation for what God might do, what God wants to do in our lives, in our church, in our community, and even across the world. So with the rest of the time we have, here's, here's what I want to talk about. I just want to talk about what are some things that you and I should expect. That if the Holy Spirit is present, if you and I truly have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, we're being filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is with us, what is it that you and I should expect from the Holy Spirit? I'll list three things if you're taking notes that you and I should expect, and here's the first one. 
Because of the Holy Spirit, we should expect people to accept the gospel. Now this, I want you to notice what I said. We should expect people to accept the gospel. Because that's different than how a lot of us think. We're like, maybe somebody will receive the gospel. Maybe my neighbor will receive the gospel. Maybe people at church who get invited in here and haven't received the gospel. I'm saying something different here. No, we expect them to receive the gospel. It's an expectation. Obviously, we understand not everyone is going to receive the gospel because some are just going to say they're drunk with wine. But I want to go back to Acts 2. After the Spirit comes down, Peter stands up and preaches this sermon. And it ends saying this, verse 40, it says, With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people. This is the birth of the church. What happened? Peter stands up, preaches a message, and 3,000 people accept the fact that Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sin so that they could be forgiven by God and come into a relationship with God. And the church is therefore born. This is what happens, friends, when the Spirit is moving Hearts open up to the gospel. Hearts begin to receive Christ. Did you realize that apart from the Spirit, you cannot receive Jesus Christ? Oh, maybe we didn't know that. But I want to show you what what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2. This is very important for us. It says that the person without the what? The Spirit does not accept the things that come from the what? Spirit of God, but considers them what? Foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The only way you and I can see our need for a Savior, the only way you and I can be convicted of sin, the only way you and I can see our need for Jesus is when the Holy Spirit opens up the eyes of our heart to see it. Do you recognize the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives? But here's the good news. The Holy Spirit is here. God's kingdom is moving. And because of that, because we know the Spirit is here, we can preach the gospel and know people will respond. Because our God wants to advance his kingdom. Maybe not everybody. But some. And this takes pressure off of us, by the way. You don't have to have a perfect gospel presentation. I I remember one of the worst sermons I ever gave. Many years ago, standing right here, just preaching. It's just, friends, people were, Jim Gersetich down here was asleep. Jim, asleep him. He's asleep right now. It It was that bad. I remember, like, I was just up here just like, man, I can't wait for this thing to be over, okay? It was, it was a long week, didn't have a lot of time to prepare. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. It was one of the worst sermons I've ever given. Like, it was embarrassing. I was just kind of starting off. And, and yet this couple that was sitting in the back came down after the message and said, we want to receive this Jesus you were talking about into our life. It wasn't me. It's the Spirit of God, friends. 
opening up hearts to believe. We put way too much pressure and responsibility on ourselves. Man, the spirit will move. And I want us to be a people. We just expect it. And I believe there's some people here today that need to be born again. And the spirit is here. And I just believe some of you today, like, yes, I need to be cleansed from my sin. And I want a relationship with this God. I want to become a citizen, a child of this kingdom. Well, in Jesus' name, it's yours right now. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. The spirit is here. And it is yours for the taking. Mm. Okay, here's the second thing we need to uh, expect from uh, our God because the Spirit is here. We need to expect darkness to flee. We need to expect the darkness to flee. And by darkness, here's what I mean. By darkness, I mean fear. By darkness, I mean negativity. By darkness, I mean doubt. By darkness, I mean despair. Some of us have hurts and inner wounds. It can be dark. But friends, do you understand we have an authority to drive out that darkness? We have a power to drive out that darkness. And to usher in light. It's part of our responsibility. John 1.5 says the light, talking about Jesus, shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. So you think about like a light bulb. When a light bulb comes on, what does the darkness have to do? It has to flee. And you start shining multiple light bulbs, like a church, and the darkness has to flee. And I'm just concerned that you and I do not understand the authority that we have been given to drive away the darkness. You've been given a real authority. You've been given a real power. The Holy Spirit is with you, and part of your responsibility in advancing God's kingdom is telling the darkness to go. Because, see, we live in a day and age where, uh, you know, we chalk everything up to a medical term. We, we have a medical name for everything. And don't get me wrong, I'm so thankful for medicine. It's a common grace. But the Bible is crystal clear. There are unclean spirits trying to torment us and attack us every single day. There are unclean spirits trying to attack you and your family, including your children, every single day. Are we aware of this? So we have to stand up with the authority that we've been given and tell that darkness to go. We got to fight for our own minds. We got to fight for our children. We got to fight for our marriages. We got to fight for our church. We got to fight for our community. You have been given this authority by God to tell the darkness to go and bring in the light. Say, Jesus, we call on you to fill the darkness and to bring your light. I've been studying this passage. It's been on my mind. This is from Matthew 10. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, he called his 12 disciples to him, and listen to this. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. You think you have that authority? Now, maybe you're sitting there going, well, that's the 12 disciples. That's the apostles. But then I came across this, Acts 6, 8. Now, Stephen 
a man full of God's grace and power performed great wonders and signs among the people. And here's what's interesting about Stephen. Stephen was not an apostle. Stephen was just a guy serving in the church. Just a servant. Just a guy serving widows in his church. But he was a man of God full of grace and power. And he too had that authority. And here's what I need you to hear, friends. So do you. You have this authority and you have to start using it. You have to start fighting back against the darkness that wants to ravage each and every one of us, that wants to ravage our children. And all you do is you say, in the name of Jesus, darkness, go. Jesus, we want you here. We call on your name to be present here, to make yourself known. And we know you shine brighter than anything else. And anything that is not of you must now flee in the name of Jesus. In fact, I'm praying that for you right now. Some of you have some darkness hanging over you. You've been, you're being tormented. You're being attacked. The darkness maybe has even gotten in. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus, you will leave unclean spirit. You will leave darkness now in the name of Jesus. Go. It's gone. Jesus, fill the void with your light. And by the way, if that did something for your soul and you are now somewhat freed by the light that has come into you, listen, that is God giving you an opportunity to now get yourself together so you can start fighting back for yourself. You better start using this opportunity, okay, so that you can gear up and start pushing back the darkness in your life, in your home. And hopefully you'll join us in doing that in the community as well. Uh, just this past week, I want to be careful with names here, but uh, a friend of mine she was attacked by the darkness, and the darkness got into her mind, and it just was spiraling out of control. Just negative thoughts, negative thoughts, angry, and she couldn't get out. She felt trapped. She said, I was trapped. She said, it was such a scary place, such a dark place to be. But she had the, the wisdom to call up a friend and said, would you pray for me? It's so dark right now. And this friend prayed over the phone and then even after the phone started interceding for her in prayer and praying for this friend. Well, I was sitting with both of them the next day at a meeting and she said, you prayed for me? I'd been in this place of darkness for a long time. You prayed for me? She said, the darkness fled and for the first time in a long time, I actually had clarity of mind. She said she was convicted of some things. She recognized that the enemy had gotten in. And I told her the same thing I just told you. I was like, okay, now you've got that moment of clarity. You need to take advantage of that. Don't let that darkness back in. We need to understand the darkness is constantly trying to get in, friends. But we serve one who is greater. <laughs> Man, if I could help empower us to start using the authority that God has given us by giving us his spirit. We're going to put... Edinburgh Church is going to push back the darkness. Amen? Because we're going to use that. We're going to pray. This is what we are called to do. That's how we advance God's kingdom. All right? But I want to give you one last one. And, 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 and this is nothing we're going to expect. So we're going to expect the gospel is going to go out and people are going to accept it. We're going to expect darkness to flee in Jesus' name. And we are going to expect signs and wonders. We're going to expect signs and wonders. Now, I don't have a lot of time to talk about this, uh, but <laughs> Jim, if you want to go ahead and start coming up here, and Declan, I'm going to ask me, can you turn on this mic for us? I asked Jim to do this right before service because I knew if I would have asked him earlier in the week, 
he would have had to think about it all week. I didn't want to do that to my brother. So I was like, I'll just pop in, ask him if he wants to get up in front of all you and share a pretty cool story that we heard at the last, um, our, our, our prayer and worship night. Um, we can grab this mic over here. I'll get it for you. Yeah, should be on. So, Jim, you, you, at the annual, or not the annual, but the, the prayer and worship night that we just had, you, you kind of um, shared with us that something that God did in your life that I think for many of us was just like, praise God, and we just celebrated what God had done in your life. So would you be willing to just share that with well, everybody? We've been getting a lot of lessons lately about God's healing power. And I have been blessed in the past to pray over many peoples. One of them literally, as he spoke of today, to come back to life. But then back on April 17th, I did a foolish thing. Now, hear this clearly. You're not supposed to stick anything, what, smaller than your elbow in your ear? I've been sticking a Q-tip in my ear for years because I have a heavy, serious wax problem. And then about every five, six weeks, I have to even put peroxide in there to kind of eat it up. Well, back on April 17th, I stuck the Q-tip in a little bit too far. And I damaged the eardrum. And shortly thereafter, I not only had pain in my ear, but I was running around for a few weeks just as you'd come out of swimming and your head is all stuffed up with the water. And that's the way it was for a few weeks. Well, then, Pastor had been speaking on many messages about healing. And one of them was, swallow your pride and come forth. You know, they always have prayer after services. If you need it, come. Because this one day, when he talked on pride, I thought, okay, I prayed for everybody else. But I don't feel worthy to be one of God's children that he would heal. And just before this, I had gone to the doctor and they told me that I did damage to my eardrum. And uh, so anyway, I swallowed my pride. I came forward and I was prayed over. Well, I didn't have instant. You know, sometimes you have instant healing. But I didn't have that. But a few days later, I suddenly realized, boom, my ear is clear. And I could hear. And I had a little more prayer over it. And I realized one big thing. On some TVs, you got little dots that tell you where the volume is. And the dots were up here. And then when I did this thing to my ears, it went up here. And then after that cleared in my ear, now I realize that it's way down here. The thing that I realized was that God restored my hearing as I was when I was a child. So don't resist. Swallow your pride. If God is urging you to come forward for prayer, I don't care what it is, listen to him. He's greater than anything we could ever do. <laughs> Thanks, brother. You know, Jim was sharing with me, and he was sharing with some us also at the prayer and worship night. He said, 
you know, coming forward and just experiencing that, that, that healing, experiencing that, that miracle. For hearing. Not, not just to get healed from the damage he'd done, but to even get healing, to, to have hearing back when he was a child. He said it spoke to him how much God loved him. And friends, why, why does God want to do this? Why does he want to give us his spirit? Why does he want to invite us into his kingdom? Why does he want to do signs and wonders in our midst? Some of you need to hear it. It's because he wants you to know how much he loves you. I love John 3.16, and we teach our kids John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world. But here's my problem with John 3.16. Now, if you just take that sound bite, that's going to sound really bad, okay? I love John 3.16, let me say it. But God's love is not just broad, friends, for the world. It's specific for you. It's personal. It's private. It's intimate. And don't pervert that word. It's intimate for you. It's a love that God has uniquely. He knows everything about you. You are unique. And he loves you in a very intimate, more intimate than any relationship you can have on earth. More intimate than your spouse, more intimate than with your kids. It's the most intimate kind of love we can know. And he wants us to know how much he cares for us, how much he loves us. And so obviously this is based on God's word, but sometimes don't we just need something to help us experience it? To see it? And I'm telling you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, here's what you need to know. The greatest sign and wonder of your life is that you have a desire to know him at all. That was the Spirit calling you to Jesus. He didn't just die on the cross for your sin. He also at the appointed time said, it's time, Spirit, to draw that person to me. When you didn't want it, and the Spirit showed up and drew you, to Jesus. Jesus did that. And friends, until we understand that, that he is the one who called us into the kingdom, he is the one from first to last that has done all the work using the Holy Spirit to get us here. We're not going to know how loved we are. You were loved before the foundations of the world. He already had you in mind. And because of we are God's children, and because we have this spirit, friends, what can we do? We can expect that others will come into the kingdom too and will accept the gospel. And we can expect the darkness to flee when the church rises up and starts praying against it. And we can expect God to do signs and wonders because I'm telling you, the God of the first century is still the God of today. He is alive today. And he wants you to know his love. So we turn our hearts now to communion. Hopefully you all grabbed one of these on your way. And if you didn't, just raise your hand. We have people in the back. They will bring you one. When you receive it, just take the top layer off. And so we do this, friends. I just want us to, to meditate on our Christ. 
I just want us to focus our attention on Jesus. The one who, can you feel him in here this morning? Can you feel his presence with us this morning? Because he's here with us by the Spirit. He's here with us. He wants to be in your heart right now. Maybe he's speaking some things to some of you. Maybe he's giving visions to some of you. And I'm convinced of this. If we're going to be filled with God's Spirit, we need to be focused on Christ. I'm the most filled with God's Spirit when I'm the most focused on Jesus. And so right now we focus our attention on Jesus, the one whose body was broken so that we could have the forgiveness of sin, so that we could be born again, so that we could come into his kingdom. We say right now, thank you, Jesus. Can we just say that? Can we just say thank you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body broken for me. And we peel back the second layer, which represents the blood of Christ spilled. <laughs> mm. there's, a, there's life in this. Spirit, biblically, it's in the blood. His blood was poured out so we could have the Spirit. Mm. You feeling that? Anybody want some more Spirit in them? Anybody want to be a little more filled? His blood was poured out so that we could have that life in us. Not outside of us, in. So let's take it in. Mm. Mm. We say thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, oh, we come to you this morning. We just want to just, we want to camp here. We want to be with you. We want to know you more intimately, more deeply. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us in so many ways. And maybe there are some here right now that need to be born again. Lord, I just pray that their eyes would be opened and they would see how good you are and they would step into your kingdom right now. <laughs> they would come into your kingdom and be called the children of God by placing their faith in you. In fact, while our heads are bowed, is there anybody who just needs to come into the kingdom this morning? Can you just raise a hand? Everyone's head is bowed. I just, as your pastor, want to see. Is there anyone? I see a hand. I see you, ma'am. I see another hand back there. I see another guy over here. Yeah. Friends, the spirit is moving. Let's come into the kingdom. You just say, Jesus, I want you. Cleanse me from my sin. Wash me by your blood. Make me yours, and I will live for you. Woo! Receive that. Because when the Spirit moves, people come into the kingdom. Thank you for letting me know, those of you who did. And now, Jesus, I'm going to pray that you're going to empower us by your Spirit. As we kick off this series, we're going to start pushing back darkness where we go. We're going to start praying for people like we've never prayed before. And I'm going to ask you to do signs and wonders in our midst that are going to blow our minds. <laughs> And it's going to let the world know you are alive. May you do this, Jesus, by your spirit. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we applaud for those who came into the kingdom this morning? This is where your pastor says, whoa, whoa. I know it's hot in here, but I think we can suffer a little bit for the Lord. And now we're going to get after it with a little worship. We got a lot to say thank you for. So let's do it. Friends, let's stand up. Let's sing to our God.